This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehabilitation. Let's be honest, when it comes to postpartum care, the majority of mothers are sent home with nothing more than a peri bottle and instructions to rest. And what is rest when you've just had a baby? Mothers are left to navigate their recovery entirely on their own without any insight into how pregnancy or labor and delivery will impact their health in the future. It's absolutely insane when you consider that the traditional healthcare system today provides better rehab protocols for sprained ankles than mothers after birth. This is why Dr. Ali Kane created GroCo. The online community features 50-plus workouts streaming 24-7, weekly live workouts, and monthly master classes. Right now, the program is 50% off for lifetime access, and for the Mom Room podcast listeners, you can save an additional 20% with the coupon code MOMROOM. Head on over to GrowCoRehab.com and sign up. How you heal now will affect the rest of your life. Check out the episode notes for additional details. All right, it is the Tuesday episode, and I put out a story on Instagram the other day asking for topic ideas, and I was looking through them, and someone suggested self-care. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I feel like what people consider self-care is so variable. Like, you know, someone might meditate and consider that self-care versus a lot of times as new moms, we consider just like having a shower by ourselves without interruptions, self-care. So it made me think like, what are some things that I have done since Milo was born that I would consider self-care for myself? When I Google self-care definition, there's two things that come up. So one is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. And remember, health can be something that's physical or it can also be mental health. So the second one, which I found interesting, is the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness in particular during periods of stress. So when I read that definition, it's literally exactly what we should be doing 
when we have a newborn baby and we bring the baby home. And I love that it says protecting one's own well-being and happiness because it's not like you're going out of your way to do certain things to like promote well-being or happiness. But by saying protecting, it's like you are maybe not allowing other things to happen or you're, you know, standing up for yourself or advocating for yourself, whatever it might be, um, to prevent certain things from happening. So I love that definition, especially for new moms or moms in general. And it's funny because the little example that they give um, after the definition says expressing oneself is an essential form of self-care, which that was one of my little things that I jotted down as something that I did for self-care was always, you know, being open with how I was feeling, especially with my husband, because he was the one that was always there to talk to. So... Anyways, that was one of the things. Last night before I went to bed, I, on my phone, on my notes, I just kind of made, what I did was I set it up into different stages. So the newborn stage, um, you know, the kind of six month old to 18 month old stage. And then I did quarantine, which was like a whole different ballgame with regard to self-care and things that I did. And then um, post-quarantine, which has been, you know, the last couple months with Milo being back in daycare and our life kind of being somewhat normal. Um, So yeah, I broke it down into stages. And so I'll go through those and just kind of talk about things that I did. Like, I didn't necessarily know at the time that these were things that would be considered self-care. But now that I look back on it, it's like, yeah, I, I did these things in order to protect my happiness, my well-being, um, and to just kind of make the whole transition to being a mom a little bit easier on myself. So here we go. The newborn stage. So as many of you probably already know, I chose to not have visitors uh, for a few weeks after bringing Milo home. And this was not something that I expected. I expected to go home and have everybody come over and visit just like everybody always does. Um, I didn't anticipate this feeling of not wanting anybody to come over, but that is how I felt. And so I made sure that people knew that. And my mom obviously was coming in and out and my sister stayed with us for the first weekend and that was fine. I wanted them there to help me. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I didn't really have visitors. Um, and that was something that while it was hard to say no to people and, you know, I was feeling like people wanted to come over, but I was saying no and it wasn't necessarily me saying no. I had my mom kind of, um, keeping in contact with everyone and just, you know, she made it clear that when when we were ready to have visitors, she would let people know. Um, so I wasn't really the one directly saying no to people, but, you know, you feel 
bad and especially because it's the norm to just have everybody come over and visit I felt like people must have been like what the hell is wrong with Renee like why is she not having visitors for weeks after bringing Milo home but I just couldn't imagine it like I was breastfeeding I was pumping all the time I just wanted to sleep like any moment that Milo was asleep and you know I had an hour or two hours, whatever it was, to just lay on the couch and watch Netflix and, you know, dink around on Pinterest, like whatever. I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do with whatever spare time I had. And I didn't want people coming in the house. I just didn't. And the more I talk to new moms, the more I realize that this is a very common thing that people feel. They don't want visitors coming over, but I think because it's so common and it's so expected almost nowadays that everybody comes over to see the baby, it's infuriating to me that people don't stand up for themselves and they feel too afraid to say no or they feel guilty um, or, you know, they have family members that just don't respect their wishes at all. Like this, I'm so passionate about this topic. I love it. But anyways, I'm not going to spend this whole podcast episode on it. If you want to hear more about my thoughts about this, I have a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to this topic. Uh, so go listen to that. It's one of the first ones, I'm sure. Um, so another thing we did in the newborn stage was how we arranged our sleep schedule and some people might think this is crazy but this worked so well for us so the newborn stage is you know they're they're up every like three or four hours whatever it might be so what we did was I went to bed at 6 p.m like lights out in bed sound machine on And I would sleep soundly by myself in our room from 6 p.m. until about midnight. And my husband would have Milo out in the living room and he would watch TV and do whatever. So then around midnight, my husband would come to bed and he would put Milo, like he would give him his last or like his, his bottle at that time. And then he would change his diaper, like get him all ready. And he would come put him in the bassinet next to our bed. And then he would come to bed. Um, And then we would get up like just quickly, like brief moments, like throughout the night. And I was breastfeeding and like bottle feeding. I was doing all kinds of shit. And I also have a difficult time falling back asleep. So it was important for me to get the solid like six hours from 6 p.m. to midnight of sleep and then you know if the rest of my night was shit and I was just getting like brief little moments of sleep here and there it didn't really matter because I knew that I had that solid six hours and a lot of the times when Milo was a newborn I remember being up at like four in the morning and you know I just wanted to get up and start my day because I wasn't able to fall back asleep um so this we did this for a little while and it worked so well for us um and I know some people think might think that that's you know crazy and they would never want to do that um but yeah that really worked for us and I would consider that self-care because I put my sleep as a priority because I knew 
that doing that would make me feel better throughout the day having having gotten that solid you know stretch of sleep something else I would consider self-care in the newborn stage was giving Milo formula and maybe that's not a form of self-care for other people um, but for us it was and for my anxiety levels and for our situation with Milo being underweight um, that was a self-care moment for us to give him formula and be okay with it and it made a huge difference in my levels of anxiety and also um, just the the fact that my husband was able to help now with feedings and just the overall pressure of breastfeeding was taken off my shoulders because he was doing so well on formula that it just kind of lessened my you know, previous like pressure I was putting on myself to only breastfeed. Um, So yeah, that was amazing. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. 
Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Uh, I also have a whole podcast episode about our breastfeeding and formula feeding journey if you want to listen to that. Um, so something else that I would say that I did was I talked to my family doctor at Milo's like first or second checkup. I talked to her about my anxiety that I was having and she kind of assured me that, you know, if it doesn't go away in in the next couple weeks, like let me know, but like what you're describing is very common. Um, And so that really helped like just to open up to her about it. And I had already previously opened up to my husband about it and my parents. Um, So everybody knew what I was experiencing, but it was nice to speak to my doctor about it and just to kind of get that reassurance that, you know, this is normal. And if it doesn't uh, get better in the next couple of weeks, like let me know and then we can uh, make a plan at that point uh, for how to address it or to you know, get you feeling better. And my anxiety would always come in the evening as soon as the the sun was going down, which is also very, very common. Um, And yeah, I would just cry, like cry, like uncontrollably. And I didn't even know why, like mentally, I didn't know why I couldn't figure it out. But it was just like overwhelming um, anxiety, like around 7.30 p.m. Because I remember friggin' Jeopardy was always on the TV. Um... And yeah, I would just cry next to my husband and, you know, talk to him about it. And luckily for me, it eventually did go away, Uh, but it was there for the first couple weeks. And my husband doesn't get anxiety. He doesn't know what that feels like. So I would always explain it to him as like that feeling that you get when you think you're about to rear end someone and your whole body just flushes and it's like, you know, impending doom. Um, So when that happens, when you're in the car, you get this, you know, reaction, internal reaction, but it's very quick. And once you realize that, you know, you're not going to hit the car, then it just goes away. But I always explain anxiety that way. But now imagine that the feeling doesn't go away. Like it's just constant. Um, so that's how I explain anxiety and that is exactly how I felt every evening for the first couple weeks after bringing Milo home. But my self-care um, tip for that was being open and honest with people and talking to people about it, uh, whether that be your partner, a close friend, uh, your family doctor, um, and just, you know, speaking about it helped a lot. Another thing that I tried to do often when Milo was newborn was, and and I don't mean like really newborn because we stayed in the house for probably like two to three weeks, like just getting our routine down and getting comfortable with, you know, having a new baby. Um, But yeah, 
once I was comfortable to leave the house, I really tried to make a point to go and do things with Milo to get out of the house. Because I think what happens is you get so focused on your routine and it's so much easier to stay home. And this goes for toddlers as well. It's so much easier to stay home uh, than to get out and do something But often you find that if you do get out of the house and go do something, you just feel so much better and your day goes by a little bit quicker. And, you know, honestly, even though you're just getting out of the house, you feel like you accomplished something and, you know, bonus points if you are going to hang out with another mom and and her baby. Um, Yeah, those things really helped. And I know now with COVID, like this has been a disaster and so difficult for so many moms, um, especially with young babies, because they're feeling stuck in the house. Um, so yeah, maybe socially distanced playtime at the park or whatever it may be. But getting out of the house for me was important. And so I did um, make that a priority. The last thing I would say that I did, and this was more of like a mindset thing, was I had zero expectations on myself to do anything outside of taking care of Milo and focusing on Milo. So, you know, I didn't um, have expectations that I was going to like try and do exercises or, you know, try and read this book, try and... um, whatever it might be, work on my school stuff or, um, you know, whatever. Like I I just gave myself the time to solely focus on Milo and have zero expectations of getting anything else done. And to be honest, I was that way for probably 12 months because here in Canada, we have a 12, well, most people have a 12-month maternity leave. And because I was in my PhD program, I was able to take the 12 months out of the program and I took advantage of that and I just focused on Milo and I didn't even think about having to be productive in any other way. Um, So I say that's a mindset thing because, you know, most people maybe won't do anything else, but they also may have this internal uh, expectation or even external pressures to be doing something else. But I just focused on Milo and said uh, everything else, uh, nothing else matters, basically. All right, the six to, let's say, 18-month stage. Um... So in there, Milo started daycare at 12 months old. So I would say that was a major um, transition for us and something that was very welcome. And we're so lucky that we have an amazing daycare. Um, But I could have easily chose to try and get my school stuff done with him at home. Um, But daycare for us and for me especially was a form of self-care I would say and to be honest it's a form of care for Milo as well because we view daycare as an opportunity and not a necessity. I will say this again and then I'm going to go shout it from the snowy rooftops. A good daycare should be looked at as an opportunity for your child and not a necessity, not something that you just have to do because you have to work. 
And maybe I didn't view it that way at the beginning because I didn't know this was our first experience with um, sending a child to daycare. Uh, But, you know, we made the decision early on in quarantine that once quarantine was over, he's going to go back because he loves it. He learns so much. He's socializing all day. He's stimulated all day. They just provide so much for him um, that I physically, like I can't as one person at home, especially in the midst of a pandemic, you know, I'm not going to play groups here and there. And to be honest, I say daycare is a form of self-care for me because I don't want to do those things and that's okay. That's not what I'm interested in doing. I don't get, you know, self-fulfillment from doing things like that. I feel good about myself when I am like writing, when I'm doing this podcast, when I'm, you know, doing things for myself, which I don't know if that sounds selfish to people that are listening, but I would have to say that it's just us finding a way to function as a family that works for everybody and makes everybody happy. Not everybody wants to be a stay-at-home mom. Not everybody enjoys doing that. Does that mean they shouldn't have kids? No, Um, not at all. I, to be honest, I thought I would want to be a stay-at-home mom my whole life and it turns out I just don't enjoy that. And that's okay. Doesn't mean I don't love my child and people enjoy different things. Some people like tacos. Some people prefer a burrito. I don't know. Like we're all different. Okay, I feel like all these topics I could just go on and on about, but something else, you know, between the 6 to 18 month uh, mark, which I still do, is that I go to bed earlier than I actually want to go to sleep and I watch reality TV by myself in the dark. Okay, and I watch it on my phone, which people might think is weird, but I can cuddle up in bed. It's pitch black around me and I'm just focused watching my little show on my little screen. I love it. It's like a form of meditation for me. I'm not using my brain. I'm not thinking about a million things. I'm literally just thinking about, you know, now I'm on to Southern Charm. There's a new uh, season out on Hey You and I'm just thinking about their lives and I love it. I love that, okay? And I will continue to do that. Something else I started in that six to 18 month range was my blog. Um, I started to write about all these things that I still feel so passionately about, like postpartum anxiety, not wanting visitors, postpartum recovery, all these things which have kind of, you know, they started in my blog and then it was social media and now it's podcast stuff. So that was really helpful for me and I also realized that a lot of these things everybody is thinking or everybody is going through or most people anyways and so that has been really helpful. And something else is standing up for myself. So, you know, when people make comments about, you know, have you tried doing it this way? Maybe you should do this or he shouldn't have that. Like, why are you doing that? I, you know, instead of, you know, being shy about it or feeling bad about choices that I've made, I will just flat out explain, no, I don't want to do it that way. And, you know, maybe down the road, this will bite us in the ass. But right now this works for us and we're going to do it this way. And that's it. And, you know, I think a lot of the times we're afraid to just say like, no, um, I don't feel like getting rid of his bottle right now. 
it works for us. He likes it and we're going to keep it. Or the best is when my mom would see him with a soother in his mouth, like in my Instagram stories or something and be like, why does he always have his soother? And it's like, well, he found it on the nightstand and I'm not about to go through a tantrum to try and get it away from him. So I'm going to wait until there's an opportunity where I can just slowly sneak it away. And that's it. So he has it. That's all. So yeah, really working on just standing up for what we're doing with our child and, you know, taking in the information that people are giving us, but ultimately just choosing what what is working for us. And that's fine. Okay, quarantine. That was fun, wasn't it? Um, So quarantine was so strange because we were stuck in the house with a toddler. I shouldn't say we, it was me. My husband's a physician, so he continued his regular job. So Milo and I were at home by ourselves. We couldn't really go anywhere except for walks. Um, and yeah, it was it was so difficult. But some things that I did during quarantine that perhaps can be considered a form of self-care are that during his naps, I would do whatever the F I felt like doing. Some days that was making like three or four TikToks. Some days that was like eating a bag of chips and sleeping on the couch. Some days that was doing something productive, uh, like a podcast episode or writing a blog. But I never put pressure on myself to do anything during nap time that I didn't want to do. Um, And during quarantine, Milo was napping almost three hours during the day from around noon till 2.30, 3 o'clock. So yeah, if I didn't want to clean, if I didn't want to do the dishes, if I just wanted to lay on the couch and close my eyes, that is what I would do. Zero expectations during nap time. Nap time was my time to do whatever I wanted uh, and I didn't feel bad about it. Um, Another thing that we did during quarantine a lot was TikTok, obviously. Um, And one thing that I loved about TikTok was, you know, I would have these difficult moments throughout the day. But knowing that I would then turn whatever the difficult situation was into a funny TikTok just made me look at things differently because I was able to see the humor and all these fucking horrible situations that would happen. Um that were really stressful. But, you know, when you just kind of look at the big picture, it wasn't going to matter tomorrow. And it was just like this brief, um, stressful moment. And then I would make a funny TikTok about it. And then people would relate to it. And it made quarantine fun because, you know, I was able to put all these difficult things in a TikTok, but in a humorous way. So that kind of made me look at life in quarantine a little bit differently. Um, So yeah, another thing in quarantine that I did a lot was just be open with my husband and tell him when I was struggling. Like I had a horrible day today. Like I'm not myself. I feel stressed. Um, I'm super irritable. And just being open about that helped a lot because it was like good. Like he knows that I 
am not myself today. Um, And then, you know, a simple thing that he would say would be like, so why don't you just go take a drive or why don't you go for a walk and listen to a podcast? Uh, And those little things would make the world of a difference. Um, So yes, highly recommend always telling people um, when you're just not feeling yourself and you're super irritated and you had a horrible day. Um, Going for drives was something I did a lot of in quarantine, which was just relaxing and, you know, you just clear your head. It's quiet in the car or you're listening to a podcast. Um, And then because I was out of the house, I was able to completely disconnect from home life. You know, you're stuck in the house, it's quarantine, you're constantly like entertaining a toddler or, you know, doing stuff in the house you have the monitor even when he's sleeping you're not able to just disconnect and even if I would go upstairs and have a bath or you know read a book in my bedroom I was still at home and I could still hear things that were going on in the house like whether it be the dogs barking or Milo whining downstairs and it wasn't like a full disconnect to have that alone time so going for drives or going for a long walk was really helpful in quarantine. And then similar to the zero expectations during nap time, this was also the same for the day. I wasn't like, oh, I need to do this learning activity with Milo and then we're going to go to the park for 30 minutes exactly and then we're going to go for a long walk and head down to the beach. Like, no, I every day was its own day and I would have zero expectations. So, wake up, have breakfast, and just kind of feel out how the day is going. Is he in a good mood? Is he like, you know, he wants to go outside. Maybe we'll go outside. It was never like, you know, lining up all these activities and putting this pressure on myself to do these amazing things all day, every day. It was very much so like, let's see what happens and what we want to do. And also like what what do I feel up to doing? Like, how is my day going? How how would I feel about getting in the car and taking him for a drive or taking him to the park? Um, some days were full of activities and going outside and some days were not. And that was okay. I didn't put pressure on myself to do certain things um, every day. All right. So now I'm going to take it into the post-quarantine time. So I think Milo went back to daycare at the end of August. Um, So things are slowly going back to normal. And I would say the biggest thing in our post-quarantine life is that Milo is in daycare. And so I'm able to spend a lot of my time doing things that I love. So reading, um, I started a book club because I wanted to read more books, but I knew that if I just left it up to myself, I wouldn't read. I always just put it off and um, I figured if I start a book club and I do one book per month, then it kind of holds me accountable uh, for reading a book. And so that's what I did. And so I've been reading regularly. Um And yeah, I'm spending a lot of time doing this podcast, doing my blog, um, interacting with people on social media, um, trying to get back into making more TikToks. Um, So that has been really helpful for me and doing these things just makes me feel good about myself and feel like I'm doing something productive. Um, 
which I did not uh, have that feeling in quarantine. And that was the most difficult part of quarantine for me um, was just feeling like I wanted to do so many things, but that I couldn't. Another thing that I've noticed myself doing more recently is um, recognizing when I feel mom guilt coming on and actually acknowledging it and then like assessing the situation and working through why this feeling is a piece of shit and I should just ignore it. So for example, the other day I wanted to get some packing done around the house um, or like organizing our stupid cupboard full of stupid mugs. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram and watch my stories, you'll know what I'm talking about. But so my husband was at work. He was on call this past weekend and really busy. So I was like, well, I'm going to put on Toy Story and get Milo all cozy in his PJs in the living room and, you know, he can watch his movie and I'll just pack some stuff in the kitchen. And I felt so bad. Like I, I was like, oh my God, he's watching a movie. It's the weekend. Like you're home with him. You should be doing stuff with him. And I was like, what is the big deal? I had to sit and be like, okay, you feel mom guilt. Let's work through this. What, what, what is the harm in Milo on a rainy Sunday? I think it was just chilling and watching his favorite movie. Like, why is this a bad thing? Adults do this all the time. Like when it's a rainy, shitty day, we put on a movie, we chill, we relax, we eat some snacks. What is the big deal, Renee? And then once I kind of acknowledge it and work through it and remind myself that it's so silly that I feel bad right now that he's watching his favorite movie on a rainy Sunday afternoon, then I can kind of ignore it and be like, mom guilt, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm going to go organize these stupid mugs. Um, So yeah, that's something that I've noticed I do a lot more. And I would say that is a form of self-care because, you know, it makes me feel better and it gets rid of that like mental nagging that is mom guilt. Something else that I just talked about last week on the podcast was that I don't compare myself to other parents and I don't compare Milo to other kids. So if you want more details about that, go listen to last Tuesday's episode. I talked all about it for like almost a half hour. Something else that I would consider a form of self-care is working on getting Milo into a routine of brushing his teeth and eating dinners. Um, He's been struggling with eating dinner lately. I'm not sure why. He does eat very well during the day at daycare. He eats everything that they give him, but at home it's a struggle. So these are things that cause me stress and I know they cause me stress. Him not eating at dinner and it's not so much that it's like I worry that he's not eating enough. It's that I just want him to eat something more healthy than a granola bar and goldfish crackers. Um, So because I know these things stress me out, I'm trying to do little things to start a new routine or change things up to get him eating better um, or I will make him a smoothie full of nutrition and he'll drink it and then I feel better. Today we switched up his teeth brushing routine. So instead of trying to get him to brush his teeth downstairs where there's lots of distractions, I took him into our bathroom as soon as he got dressed in the morning and we brushed our teeth together. And because he was up on his little step stool, he couldn't 
like move and he was just staring at himself in the mirror and he wasn't distracted so it worked out a lot better and then at the same time I was able to wash his face with a face cloth without him running away and also put his hair in his little man bun that I love Um, so yeah taking steps to try and ease my stress over these things like teeth brushing and dinner time Um, sometimes on the weekends I will wake up early I will set my alarm so that I can go downstairs by myself and have my coffee with HGTV on and it's worth it sometimes it's just worth it to have that alone time before Milo gets up and you don't know what the day is going to bring. Is he going to be in a good mood? Is he going to be in a bad mood? Are we going to have like, you know, moments of chaos? We don't know. So I like to have that, you know, quiet time and mentally prepare myself for the day ahead. Something else I would consider self-care is acknowledging difficult things and difficult situations. This is important because I feel like at some point in time, society just decided to glorify um, being a mom and only speak about, you know, the amazing moments and only show amazing moments on TV and in movies and so on. Um, And then social media just took that to a whole other level. Um, But yeah it's not it's not easy it's like very hard actually and even the most simple things or that seem simple like putting your kid in a goddamn car seat like that can be an insanely stressful situation and I like to just acknowledge that there's really difficult things that you have to do as a mom and there's difficult situations and I don't try and downplay them like It may seem silly to people that maybe don't have a toddler, um, but they can make any situation a nightmare. They can also make it very enjoyable, but that's not what we're talking about right now. This is about acknowledging how difficult things can be sometimes and even simple things. And so when you complain about it or you explain to someone how stressful your morning just was and you're like oh they wouldn't get into their car seat sometimes that just it sounds so um trivial like like a small thing but no like it could have ruined that person's entire morning and changed their complete mindset for the day like it's a big deal to try and fight a toddler to get into a car seat it's friggin' stressful not to mention if you have somewhere to be on time or it's freezing cold outside So for me, I like to acknowledge those situations and acknowledge how those situations make me feel. Like, was I super irritated? Um, You know, because some days I'm having a really good day and I can take more chaos than other days, like when I'm super irritable. Um, So yeah, I acknowledge the situation, acknowledge how the situation makes me feel. And then I find it's easier to move on from it. And, you know, my mood doesn't stay in this like irritable level all day because I acknowledge it and I move on. And I don't just acknowledge it to myself. Like I acknowledge it when I'm talking with my friends and they're like, oh, how's your morning going? Like I will tell them exactly what happened and how frustrating it was and 
you know, if they have kids, they can totally relate. And they're like, oh my God, I know exactly how you feel. Like this happened yesterday. And then it's just like an open dialogue where nobody feels alone. And everyone's like, wow, we're all going through these crazy ass situations together. Um, So yeah, acknowledge it. Talk about it. It's fucking hard. Like, let's not pretend that having kids is not hard. It's so hard. So why don't people talk about how hard it is? Like even... Even the things that don't sound hard and that are just everyday things like putting them in the car seat, like feeding them dinner, they can be so hard and so stressful. So let's just all talk about it. Okay, I'm going to end the episode there. I'm sure there's many more things that I could, you know, speak to if I really sat down and thought about it. But, you know, before bed last night, I just made this little list and hopefully it is helpful. I would love to hear what you guys do. Um as your self-care maybe I'll put out an Instagram story and share some of what you guys do Um, so yes if you don't follow me already on Instagram and TikTok you can follow me at the.mom.room my website is renearena.com. It is a blog. I write blog posts. I also share blog posts written by other moms and you know share their experiences Obviously, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And that's all for now. And I hope your children sleep tonight.